I, I have great expectations for what the Lord's going to do this morning. Um, and, and I want to continue this time of focusing our attention on the Lord. Thank you, sir. Um, you ever have those mornings where, like, if something can break, it breaks. If something can go wrong, it goes wrong, right? There's been a sense of that a little bit here this morning of just, you know, a lot of squirrely things happening. And sometimes it's just that things happen. But every once in a while you're like, man, that's a lot of little things happening to distract us. I wonder if that's just the enemy trying to be squirrely and get our attention off what the Lord wants. And in those times, I always get pretty pumped up because we have power and authority over that. We'll tell them to knock it off in a second. But, um, but it's like he senses the Lord wants to do something, right? He, he senses... Uh, the Lord wants to break through or do something, and so he just tries to get our attention off of Jesus, and um, I'm just going to pray into that for a minute, uh, that he wouldn't do that, and even those songs, like, it's such a great reminder of not putting all our attention on the enemy, as squirrely as he is, but on the power of the name of Jesus and who he is, that the God we worship is way more powerful, and so we come in confidence this morning, so it's in that that I want to pray this morning in anticipation for what the Lord's going to do. Let's pray. Yet you, you're the name above all names, Jesus. There is none that compares to you. And God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and the way that you're showing yourself to us, the way that you reveal your character to us, the way that you draw us into deeper relationship, the way that you pursue us, that you chase after us, that you open our, our eyes to you. God, the way that you come after us in our hurt and our pain and our brokenness, our suffering and our grief, that you come and you meet us there, God, and you turn our gaze towards you. God, whatever you have for us this morning, that's what we want. We want your will, we want your desire, we want your revelation. We want what you want this morning. And we know, God, that that is to glorify and exalt and reveal Jesus. And that's our desire this morning. So we stand against anything that wants to come in the way of that. Any scheme of the enemy to distract, to disrupt, to cause chaos, we bind you and we command you to leave in Jesus' name. God, that you would give us the gift of revelation. Oh, God, that through your Holy Spirit that you'd open up our eyes to see what you have for us this morning. God, you know, like on, on my best day, I can convey info. I can convey information and facts. But God, you are the one that can changes hearts. You are the one that does the work of conforming us into the image of Jesus. You are the one that goes to the deepest parts of our wounds and you bind them up. You're the one that meets us in the deepest parts of our grief. And you bring comfort there. Oh, and you love, you just love doing it. You love it. So God, we, we are just, I ask for those of us that don't have anticipation and excitement for what you're going to do, that you would grow that in us. Even the mounting excitement and anticipation in me, God, I confess it's not from me or not from my emotion and not from my self-will, but that is a gift from you, God. So I pray that you would rise up expectation in this place, that you would rise up faith in this place, God. That you, God, would do what you say you're going to do. That you, God, would uh, move in the way that you see fit this morning. God, we just lay down our wills, our agendas, our emotions, our plans, our baggage, uh, all of it. We lay it down before you, King Jesus. pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.
All right. Well, it's fun to see some of you college students that we haven't seen in a while. Welcome back. It's fun to have you back. Um, where are we? So this week's been uh, this week's been interesting. I know I say that a lot, but it was interesting. Spent a lot of time, obviously, praying what the Lord wanted to say to us here at Moran Park today. And we've been going through the one another's for a long time, and I think God's really been moving, and it's been really fun to watch you all grow in those one another's. But as I was praying this week, as I was praying this week, I kept hearing one word from the Lord, and that word was receive. Okay, what's that about, Lord? And I, and I, I got this sense this week that the Lord wants us to simply to not work on doing anything or pr- producing anything, but to simply sit and receive from him today. And there's this temptation when you go through things like all the one another's, right? Where it's like, okay, now I got to love one another and I got to forgive one another and now I got to honor one another and I got to bear with one another and now I got to forgive and I've got to like uh, be hospitable to one another. I got to do all these one another's. And I think sometimes we forget that the ability for, to do those things comes from the power of the living God that dwells within us and not our own work. And I think we sometimes, if you're like me, man, you just quickly forget that if we're going to pour those things out and walk in those things, it first starts with us receiving from the Lord. Right? Jesus even says this. He says, like, um, uh, love one another as I have loved you. If we're going to love one another, we first have to receive his love. Love, we love because he first loved us. Even forgiving, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. And it starts with this posture of receiving. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Is this, uh, what is it that the Lord wants us to receive this morning? And so if you would turn to John chapter 1. I always feel like John gets left out a little bit around the Christmas season because it doesn't have like um, all these really straightforward narratives of, of Jesus' birth, right? You got Luke and Matthew, they got a bunch of stories of the wise men, and you got the shepherds, you got Mary, Joseph, the like, right? You got the, the, the normal crew that we look at. But John chapter 1 actually talks about the birth of Jesus as well, but not in this narrative form, but more in talking about the image of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do, what he's about. So look at John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. This is talking about the coming, the birth of Jesus. And it says this, In him, him being Jesus, okay? In Jesus, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, A pretty common image throughout the Christmas season is Jesus being the light. The light has come. Jesus, the light of the world. Um, Really powerful imagery. But I am reminded, I think I'm reminded of this every year, but it just seems extra heavy this year of There's this promise that though the light has come into the world, the promise says that the darkness has not overcome it. But doesn't it feel like some days that the darkness is the thing that actually overcomes the light? Would you ever feel that way? And I'm not talking, yeah, yeah, you look on the news in in a generic sense, you're like, man, this world is screwed up. 
the darkness just keeps prevailing, like wickedness and just terrible things seem to grow and grow and take over. But I'm not even saying like in a general sense. I'm talking about in a specific sense to each one of us. I think sometimes around this season, this the darkness can grow and grow and it starts to feel like, whoa, the darkness is winning. Is there any hope that the light is going to prevail? Is there any hope that the light is going to drive out the darkness, right? Like for some of you, there's just a depression that lingers over the, this Christmas holiday and the darkness of the lingering depression that weighs you down makes it hard to get out of bed some days. Some of us, right, it's the, the darkness of um, Christmas brings up all the shame and all the guilt and all the woulda, shoulda, couldas that we should have done in our life. For some of us, it's the darkness of family members that aren't going to be around this holiday. Some of you, this is your first Christmas without a loved one there. This is your first Christmas without mom or dad or a child uh, because of death or because someone's gone wayward. It's maybe a first Christmas because of a divorce. And maybe for you it's the 50th Christmas that that's the case, but it's still a reminder of who's not there. And, if it, and for a lot of us, that causes darkness to want to creep in uh, in that. For some of you, it's um, a reminder of mistakes you've made in the sense of you don't have your kids with you. Or choices that you've made have separated you from family. And darkness wants to prevail over that. Anyone feel that way? Yeah. But here's the promise. The promise, whether we feel like it or not, is that in the midst of darkness, darkness will not overcome. The light has come. The light will push back the darkness. Not that the darkness doesn't exist. I mean, we are reminded every single stinking day that darkness exists. But praise the Lord that Jesus has come into the darkness. And someone once said, the darker things are, the, lighter that the, bright, the, the brighter the light can shine. So the darker the place that you find yourself in this morning, well, praise the Lord. Because the one who is light wants to come and enter into that situation and wants to display his light in the midst of that darkness. Jump down to verse 9 of John chapter 1. John uh, 1 9 says this The true light, that's Jesus, the true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. I see he came to his own people, to the Jewish people, and he was revealing who he was, God in the flesh. He was revealing the fullness of who he was. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ, but people did not receive him. They did not recognize him for who he was. The light is coming to the darkness, but it's not enough just to go, oh, that's the light. There's a step that's required. When we see the light is we receive him. We receive the light. And he says, the initial people that he came for did not receive him. But then in verse 12 it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, this is so good, right? Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Because here's the promise. When the light shines in our darkness, when we see Jesus for who he is, 
we have the uh, opportunity, we have the response of then receiving him. When we receive him, I think it explains further what it means to receive him. It says right in verse 12, but to all who receive him, and it goes on to say, who believed in his name. Believing in his name doesn't just mean like, oh yeah, I believe his name's Ron, I believe your name's Dave, I believe your name's Susan, right? It's not just believing in the fact about something. But in the Bible, when someone was given a name, or God was revealing his name, it's so that that part of God's character, who God is, could be called upon. So it was a big deal when God would reveal himself throughout scripture. I'm the provider. I'm the God who sees. I'm the deliverer. I'm the rescuer. I'm the helper. I'm the shield. I'm all these things. God would reveal his name, not just so they'd be like, oh, that's cool, nice to know. I can call you a different name now. It's so that his people could call upon him for that particular thing. God was revealing his power, his grace, his character. And when they found themselves in that position, they would call upon him. So, right, if we call upon God as provider, it's saying, God, oh, I recognize that you are the provider. God, will you come and provide for me in this situation? When we receive him, we are calling upon his name. It, it makes me think of even the Christmas story where um, Joseph, that was his name, right? Um, um, Joseph, the Lord told Joseph, right, that Mary's... Yes, it's true, she's pregnant, she's going to have a son. But then he says to Joseph, you are to name the child Jesus because he will save people from their sins. He's giving them the name so that when people call him the name, it's invoking what the name means and the power that it represents is that we call in the name of Jesus for our salvation. That's what it means. We're going to receive him, we're going to receive part of who he is, receive what he's offering, that, that's what it means to believe in a, his particular name. It's his character. It's calling on him for different things. So he says, right, in verse 12, do all who receive him, who believed in his name, what happens? He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When we call on the name of the Lord... We then are brought into the family of God. We are made sons and daughters of God himself. Jesus provided a way back into God's family. And the cool thing about that for me, that imagery, is that it's not like a one-time thing. I called on the name of Jesus, I received him, and now that's it for, the way, for, for life. There's this invitation now as part of his family that he is our father and we get to continue to call upon him for everything that we need. Right, for those of you who have kids, you understand this. How many times do your kids, especially when they're my age, kids' age, three, six, and eight, do they ask you for things all the time, right? Dad, can I have a snack? Dad, can I have a snack? Dad, can I have a snack? Can I have a dessert? Dessert? Can I have D-E-S-S-E-R-T? Dessert? Dessert? Can I have dessert, right? It's totally hypothetical, all right? Uh, oh, he's not listening. Right, Caleb? Yeah, that's right. Um... This is my one who asked for dessert more than the rest of them over here. Yes, can I, can you help me get dressed? Can you do these things? Like, he continues to come to me for things and receive from me. Not, not because he's trying to take advantage of me, but that's just part of being, being my family, part of me being his dad. That he continues to come and receive from me, and it's a joy for me to continue to pour out upon him. And we are brought into the family of God. It's not because of... You know, like when you have a ch- child, you, you plan for that sometimes. Sometimes it just 
happens, right? But he's saying it doesn't happen because of the will of man, but because of God's, God's will, God's choice. He brought you into his family, and now you get the blessing and the benefit of being part of his family where you get to call upon him and receive from him day by day by day. Jesus' birth is a fulfillment of the promise, I believe, in Isaiah chapter 9. It gives us, I think, a little bit more clarity on what it is that we're receiving from the Lord. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Isaiah was writing about the coming Messiah, the coming Jesus, long before he arrived. And there's all these promises of what would take place when he came. And uh, the, the whole Old Testament's filled with it. But this is just a little one uh, that we often read at Christmas, this section, because of the promise of the birth of Jesus. And it says this in Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness. I love that, like, deep darkness, right? Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Well, I, I love that, too, because that's the way it is for us. It's not like if we're just dabbling in a little bit of darkness, then that's just when the light shines. It's you're in deep darkness. Dark, 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 the light shines there. There's no place too dark or too, for the light to shine. And so he comes in the deepest, darkest place and shines his light. But then what happens? We jump down to verse 6. Try not to sing along to this, but... Um, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, meaning his rule, his reign, his control, his dominion. He comes with authority. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is a promise about the coming Messiah. It's a promise of the birth of, of Jesus. It's talking about when Jesus would come, this is what he would bring, and this is who he would be about. And I think it's important to look at here what he's called, because again, when we understand what he's called, we understand what we can call upon. We can uh, understand what, what we're coming to him for and what we can receive from him. And the first one, it says here, that he shall be called, his name shall be called, what's it say? What was that? There we go. Yeah. Wonderful counselor. But a counselor is someone that... Uh, listens to us, right? Counselor is someone that gives us direction. Counselor is someone that gives us guidance. Counselor is the someone that speaks truth to us. So, a counselor is someone that redirects us. 
A counselor is someone that wants the best for us and wants us to move forward. A counselor is someone that wants us to grow into maturity. A counselor is someone that wants us to grow in freedom and wholeness. A counselor, right, all of those things. And the wild thing about Jesus is he's not just called a good counselor. He's not called a really good counselor. He's called a wonderful counselor. Listen, this morning I know a lot of you you may be stuck in a position where you're like, I don't know what to do. You've got a wayward child that's gone wayward for years and is still wayward. And you're like, I've exhausted all my options. What the crap do I do? Some of you are getting ready to go into a family party this Christmas. And let's be honest, not looking forward to it. Some of you think, what, what do I do? What do I do when there's, they're getting wasted around me? What do I do when they start cursing the Lord? What do I do when they're just being cruel? What do I do when I just, you know, all these things. What do I do? What do I do? Where do I go from here? Some of you college students, right, you're home and you're like um, junior, senior year and everyone's asking you, great graduation's coming up. What are you going to do? And there's all this pressure to try to figure it out on your own. I'm going I'm to solve it. I'm going to take care of the problem. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to know. I've got to figure this out. But God in this invitation, Jesus has come and he's come as the wonderful counselor saying that we can come to him for our counsel. That we can receive from him and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't rely on my own skill, my own wisdom, my own experience. I want to come to you. Jesus, will you tell me? Will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you take me where you want me to go? God, will you show me the way that you have for me? That is calling upon the name of the Lord and receiving from him his counsel. And his counsel is really good. He's also called not just a wonderful counselor, he's called a mighty God. Right? Not just God. God meaning he's in control, he's the boss, he's the Lord over all, he's worthy of worship, he's in control, all those things. He's not just God, he's mighty God, meaning he's got the power. He's got the authority and the power and his ability to do something in this situation. And I know that's where some of you are at this morning. You just feel stuck. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like, what do I do? I, I, I don't know how to handle this. What, what do I do? I, I just, there's no way out. Even if you gave me the wisdom for me to walk, I, I am powerless to even walk out of this situation. And for some of you this morning, it's coming to the Lord and saying, oh God, I need to receive you as my everlasting, not my, uh, my mighty God. God, I need you to pull me out of the situation. I need you to work in this, my child's heart. I need you to do the miracle in my marriage that I can't figure out how to fix. God, would you come? I need to receive from you, you being the mighty God. Some of you this morning need to come and receive him as your everlasting father. And I, listen, I, I know, like, this imagery of God being our father is dicey sometimes because um, we just have a wide variety of experiences of what, it, what a father has looked like in our lives. And some of them, like, really awesome. And some of ours have been terrible or even absent, or we don't even know who, who they are. But here's the good news. Whether your dad was absent or the best still pales in comparison to the greatest father that we have, the Heavenly Father. True. Like, listen, I told you this before. My dad was a great, a great guy. He's not with us anymore. He's not an everlasting father. We have a father that will never leave us or forsake us. He has a father that walks through the valley of the shadow of death with us. We have a father that goes with us and before us and is our rear guard. We have the one who is a perfect father and is not conditional, right? Sometimes I think God's fatherly love towards us is so conditional where it's like, 
Yeah, he's going to be my father today and champ, be my champion and be my encourager and love me if I perform accordingly. God's going to be my father. He's going to love me, provide for me, shower me with blessings if I prove to him that I'm worthy of it today. But a reminder, like my kids, some days knock it out of the park and do really well, and other days they struggle a little bit, right? But it doesn't matter how they respond or how they act a particular day. My love for them is consistent and it does not change because of the fact that I am their father and their identity is my kid. A loved kid is secure. Um, when I was on sabbatical, I was just thinking about this this morning. When I was on sabbatical two summers ago, one of the most powerful things that happened was I was in the woods with my son, Caleb. Hey, do you want, you want to come up here for a minute? Not feeling it? <laughs> All right, it's cool. No pressure. Um, we were walking in the woods one day, right? And the Lord was exposing all things, sorts of things in my heart during sabbatical, and like how I usually come to the Lord to get something from him, how I come to him to like perform and like do the right things to look good in his eyes. And the Lord taught me a lot through my own kids and my, and my, and my wife. And I remember... I shared this right after sabbatical, but just a reminder, I was, I was walking in the woods one day, and Caleb and I were hand in hand, and we were like, no agenda, we were just waltzing through the woods, just hanging out, and all of a sudden, Caleb stops, he looks up at me, right, and he grabs me around the leg, he goes, Dad, I love you, boom, right, yeah, it's like, <laughs> but the thing for me that rocked my world was, he, he received my love, and he was able to give love. Just, it had nothing to do with performance. He, he could have been disobedient that morning or been the best kid ever, and he, just, he understood my love for him, and he was pouring it back on me that, that day. It had nothing to do with performance. I think that's what it is for some of you this morning. Like, you're, you're back and forth to the Lord because it's like, i got to perform. i got to prove I'm worthy. I've got I've to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants you to walk in what's good and right, but not because you get more love from him, because that's what's best for you and brings him the most glory. Some of you this morning just need to receive God as your everlasting father today. This one's pretty applicable during the Christmas holidays. Jesus is also called the Prince of Peace. Where, where do you need peace this season? I mean, some of it is just, I mean, this, this Christmas season is insane, am I right? You're running around trying to be super mom or super dad or super grandparent or super friend where you're going to this Christmas program, you got to do this kid thing, and then you got to go over here and make brownies for this neighbor because you got to be a good neighbor, right? And then all of a sudden, you, you got to uh, make your Christmas cookies, and you got all, all these things you got to do, and it just feels crazy. And I think the Lord is inviting us just to simply slow down and receive his peace. Some of you have chaos and turmoil going on in your heart this season, and the Lord is inviting you to come and receive from him and receive his peace. And here's the cool thing about the peace of the Lord. Jesus says in John, he says, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave you. But he's, he talks to me, he's like, I don't give peace as the world gives peace. Um, but by that I think, I mean, our, the peace in our heart often goes up or down based on our circumstances or situation. Am I right? Family's going well getting along with friends, my marriage is going well, my things are going well in my home or with people I'm living with, like 
then I'm at peace. But the minute things get a little out of whack and I'm having issues with someone over here, my kid's acting up, I'm being stressed, then what happens oftentimes is the peace leaves us and the chaos begins to take over our heart. But Jesus' promise is that he is peace. Peace isn't something separate from himself. He is peace. He is the prince of peace. He's over peace. He's in charge of peace. And he gives out peace and his peace is unending and it's not a limited supply. That's good news. Because when we receive him, he comes and he dwells in us and he overflows and wells up peace within us. Therefore, I don't care how insane your Christmas season is. I don't care how insane your family is. And some of your families are insane, right? That when you come to the Lord and receive and say, God, this is going to be nuts. I've experienced a lot of chaos, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of turmoil in my heart. But I'm coming to you. God, you say that you're the Prince of Peace. I receive your peace today. And your peace is not dictated or predicated on my circumstances or situation or other people. Your peace is available because you are peace and you dwell within me. That's what I need, Lord Jesus. For you, that's the invitation of the Lord this morning. To come and to receive his peace. This morning I want to I want to just give us some space to receive from the Lord. I, I think it's in our it's in our culture, but I think it's even with the Lord, we have a hard time simply receiving from one another. Like what happens when somebody gives you a gift out of the blue? Your first thought isn't, oh, thank you so much. It's like, oh, crap, I didn't get them a gift, right? <laughs> Am I right? Because we have this attitude of like, I, it's, I, I, gotta, I gotta pay you back. I, I gotta earn it. I gotta show you that I'm, I'm worthy of receiving this gift. Same thing with the Lord. It's like I get something from the Lord. It's, we have a hard time just, just receiving and, and giving them thanks and praise for it. And I think sometimes we go too far and we, we say things like, I don't want to come to the Lord just to receive something. And that's true. Like if we're just coming to the Lord to receive, 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 we, we have missed the point, but I don't think we should be afraid to come to the Lord to receive because even when we come to him to receive something from him, it's an act of worship to the Lord. Because if I say, okay, God, you are the Prince of Peace, I'm choosing to come to you for peace and receive it. In essence, we're saying, I'm no longer going to chase these other things that promise peace and don't deliver. I'm coming to you, acknowledging you are the one that truly gives peace. There's none like you. God, will you receive it? It's an act of worship. Same thing for uh, any, anything else, any provision, you name it. When we come to the Lord's act of worship, God, I want you. I want all that you have for me, Lord. Not to get something or manipulate from you, Lord, but I want all that you have for me because you're worthy of it. You're a good God, and you want to pour out your blessings upon me. In, the, in return, it's amazing what happens, right? We're filled with joy and gratitude and worship to the Lord. So this morning, I, I just encourage you to wait on the Lord, listen on the Lord here, and see what he wants to pour out upon you, what he wants to reveal to you. There's this promise from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, and this is my prayer for you. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is quite a promise. That God shines the light of who he is in the face of Jesus. That we see him more fully for who he is because the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. When we see Jesus and who he is, it gives us more things to receive from him as an act of worship to him. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite the van to come forward.
They're going to play a little bit of music in the background, but I, I want to invite you to take some time with the Lord to simply receive from Him. I want to invite you to close your eyes, and, and for you, if you're a visual person like I am, maybe just picture Jesus before you. Maybe this morning there's specific things that are stirring your heart, right? Things you need, you need guidance on, things that you need deliverance from, things that you need insight from, things that you need peace in, things that you need provision, whatever those things may be. I'm just going to invite you as you gaze upon the Lord just to take those to Him and receive what He has to give for you in, the, in those things. And so I'm going to pray, pray for us, that the Lord speak, and then just take the time to do business with you and the Lord as the music plays in the background. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive from you. God, that you would do that work of your light shining in our heart and revealing more of Jesus. I pray against... Um, I pray against trying to earn or deserve anything from you, but that we would receive fully what you offer us in Christ Jesus. I thank you, God, that while we could do nothing... We could do nothing to get our way out of the darkness. You sent Jesus, who is the light, to come and shine in the darkness. I thank you, God, that you've given us the strength and the power and the courage to step out of darkness and the light. Now, God, I ask for those areas of our heart that we're, just, we're still holding on to, God. We're still trying to fix on our own. We're still trying to get out of our own. The things that we're clueless. Just go, what do I do, God? I pray that in our cluelessness, in our powerlessness, in our angst, our anger, our sorrow, our grief, God, that we would just come and give those, lay those down before you and say, God, you have them. God, I receive from you what you need to give me in these things. God, I know from some of us, like we just want to come to you to get an answer so we can go run, run off and solve the problem. And I know for a lot, of, a lot of times, God, you're simply wanting us to receive yourself. And so, God, I pray that those who are still in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the situation, God, that they would receive you, God. That you are not far, but you are near. God, that you sit with them in the darkness. God, and you shine the light where they're at, God. And I pray that you give them comfort and peace. God, I have high expectations that you're going to speak. So God, in this time, as we look to you, God, you know the things that we need to receive from you, God. I pray that you'd pour it out that you'd be specific and you'd speak to each one of us in a specific way that you do because you're a good shepherd, God, and you love to speak specifically to your sheep. God, would you bring to mind the things that we need to receive from you, God, and the things you want to pour out. I pray this in Jesus' name.